I'm your host, Jonathan Goodall, a.k.a. J.G. Smooth, and I am happy to report, no, it was not pretty, it, it, it was close, it was back and forth, but for the first time in approximately five weeks, I'm happy to come on here and proudly say UCO football team has come away with a hard-fought victory. Now, I know the past couple of weeks, we've had some hard-fought losses this time, Lady Luck was on the side of the UCO Broncos, and let me tell you, if you missed that game against Washburn, uh, then you missed a great contest. It was a great contest, and where several players uh, uh, stepped up big time to help in the the uh, losing skid here, and hopefully turning a corner to end the season strong. We will get more into that momentarily, but it's first and always we start off with other UCO sports happening. Soccer. Remember, soccer was kind of on a little uh, slump themselves. They have since rebounded in a major way, improving to 10-4-2 on a season with a dominating 8-0 win over Northwest Missouri State on Friday. And um, and, a, and again, a solid 3-1 win earlier today, which is Sunday, against Missouri Western. So they uh, they they are they're now one two in a row, I believe, and they go on the road twice this week. Friday they travel to Newman, and on Sunday they travel to Rogers State and Claremore. So I was a soccer team, the best I love moving forward. Volleyball improved to sixteen and eight um, after dropping a three one loss to Pitt State and a three nothing loss to Kearney. They did, however, rebound and beat Fort Hayes State 3-1. They traveled to Missouri Southern on Tuesday, at Washburn on Friday, and at Emporia on Saturday. It's another three-game stretch of coming for the volleyball team. Again, I wish head coach Edgar Mary Q 
and his Lady Broncos some much success. Finally, wrestling earlier today at Hamilton Fieldhouse had a bronze and blue scrimmage, uh, which the bronze team dominated the blue team 42 to 6. Uh, they opened the season a week from today, Sunday versus Drury University, 4 p.m. at Hamilton Fieldhouse. So I encourage everybody to come out and check the wrestling team. The wrestling team last year nationally ranked. Uh, we had a couple of nationally ranked, ranked wrestlers that went on to qualify for the NCAA championships. So we were hoping for a similar and more successful type of season from the wrestling program. Now, that being said, we dive into the main encore of the of the podcast here, which is with Lucio's clutch, extremely clutch, close, come from behind win on the road, 22 to 20 over over Wasburn, uh, which saw some late game heroes from one Chandler Garrett, who made a second second straight start. Uh, also starting with Jacob Blair, if you recall last week, I said Jacob Blair after the first rough half. Against Missouri Western was bent in favor of true freshman Lane Grantham. Jacob Blair did start and play the uh, and play the 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 entire ball game. Now I must admit here, okay, I did oversleep somewhat. I woke up exactly five minutes before kickoff, and we were having trouble computer wise. So I missed both teams' opening drives. But to sum it up, early both teams scored on the opening drive with uh, Washburn getting a touchdown and then UCL responding with a 36-yard outfit field goal. Now, when I did pick it up, uh, okay, it was right, it was, it was, uh, it, it was Washburn's ball, it was, it was Washburn's ball. And Richard Desir Jones, if you recall Richard Desir Jones, one of the couple of Juco defensive linemen that head coach Nick Bobek brought in this year, Notched the team's third sack on the season. Now, it must be noted here, coming in, obviously, they had two sacks. They more than uh, doubled the sack total after today's game. So, I want to go ahead right now, give defensive line coach Pat Hill some credit, give defensive coordinator uh, Russ Pickett a lot of credit here, and give the defense as a whole a lot of credit because, let me tell you, if it was not for the efforts of the defense, uh, UC will not have won this ball game because once once we get deeper into it and we go by the, the, the box score here, this is by far the best performance of the defense I have seen all season. And, and I hope that they can continue this trend moving forward because this week's opponent, Missouri Southern, uh, is coming off a historic win. And they, they have the offense that is capable of putting points on the scoreboard. So the defensive effort that we saw Saturday against Washburn definitely will need to be continued. But um, knowing on that, the, the, he notched the, the third sack, which then forced a stop. And, and, with, and with a bad punt, gave UCL the, the ball at the fourth yard line. Unfortunately, UCL was sacked on third down, had to punt the ball. But let me tell you, punter Jay Tedesco had a career day. This is by far the best hunting performance I have seen from David Desco. They constantly pinned Wasburn back. I feel like the worst punt he had had them starting at the 23, 25-ish. Anything else was inside the 20. I want to give him also a lot of credit there. Uh, he, he also had some kind of spotty, spotty performances early on in the season. 
He also had at his best game of season so far. But the the the, the punt was down to eleven. Uh, then eleven, UCO would get would get the stop. However, they would turn it over on down after a sack on fourth and seven. That nothing more to hear the offensive line in the first half. Uh, at times, pass blocking did struggle. Now again. Uh, the, in the second half, the line would play a lot better, but in the first half there, especially when Washburn would send, would send blitzes, the blitz pickup was not where it needed to be. But again, at halftime, the adjustments were indeed made. Now, after they turned it over, okay, <clears throat> we had back-to-back sacks. I'm gonna put this out here. Again, what I mentioned before, the sacks, we, we, we were close. As you recall the last, like three episodes of the podcast, I mentioned that there were several sacks that were missed because either they just missed the tackle or the QB made the right move at the right time, just do a simple side step and, and they just couldn't get the sack. That happened again, okay, I say, when we, when we, when we get the when we get the sack total, you know, it is gonna be impressive. But we could have had almost double that. There was at least three other sacks, in my opinion, that were either missed due to just a break tackle or a bad angle. But again, it, it was refreshing to see sacks. Uh, Stefan Starks, uh, Stefan Starks. Let me pretend here, Stefan Starks, best game all season long. Uh, Stephon Starks was a, is, a, is, a D, is a defensive end, but when we went with a three-man front, okay, and he was kind of solo playing inside, Wasburn's guards had no answer for Stephon Starks. Uh, Stephon Starks would get the sack, and then Dracon Brown, who had the first sack of the season against, against Missouri, would also get a sack and would then force a punt. Now, again, another quality punt by Jay Tedesco hit the returner in the, uh, right in the hand. So what was happening was he was signaling for the fair catch. It bounced, it hit him right in the hand. Uh, it, it, we, we thought it went into, in, uh, into the end zone, but they brought it out at the one yard line. However, it would not matter because two plays later, Mike Rios, as you recall, Mike Rios, I mentioned before, arguably the most talented lineman on the defensive front. Uh, he's also kind of had some hot and cold performances. Came away with, came away on a beautiful, I mean beautiful play. Uh, he was he was double teamed with the guard and center, put put the double team with a super rip move, and got the sack for the for the safety. So at that point, it was seven to five. Okay, um, and then nobody else would score in that first half and then it was a defensive slugfest. So we come out in the second half. UCO would, would take the lead as they took the opening drive for a, for a touchdown, set up by a big 44-yard TJ Roberts one, uh, a run. Now again, TJ Roberts, you mentioned before, in my opinion, in the opinion of my man James D. Jackson, the editor-in-chief of the Vista. And others close to the program. Peter Roberts is a is a very talented and elite running back. Uh, now we have not been able to see it either due to a combination of injuries and performances by the offensive line. But there have there has been there has been flashes, and that that was a huge flash right there. They were also aided uh, by a holding penalty, a a, a defensive holding on third and seven. But regardless. Uh, 
Dustin Boskins would have a 26-yard touchdown pass to give UCO a 12-7 lead. Uh, Washburn would then would then would then respond with with a field goal. Now I will say it was a great stand by the UCO defense. Uh, I know Washburn had three plays inside the five-yard line uh, and got nowhere. They got nowhere, and so they had to force the field goal. So again, I want to give them credit, credit uh, on that. Then after that, um, Wasburn would get another field goal, but once again, UCO is stiffened up in the red zone and forced field goal. Now that that drive was helped out, what uh, was helped out by three. So there were three penalties. Okay, against UCO on that drive to get them inside the red zone, and then there were two penalties against Washburn to help force themselves into the field goal. It was a, it was a weird sequence, uh, and one and I will say one of them was a questionable pass interference call on Kobe Underwood. I will say, you know, I'm I, I, since I won't get fined for saying this, I think I think I think referees in that in in that in that game. Uh, or less than stellar. I think that they missed calls on both sides. There were bad calls on both sides, even the Washburn commentators. Uh, that when some calls were called against UCO, were still wondering, you know, how's that a penalty? So I, I, I did my team of referees, not the best. Uh, now again, they could have just, just, just had a bad day, but there were a lot of questionable calls again for both teams. But there was a questionable uh, pass interference call Kobe Underwood that helped extend the drive. But regardless, what Washburn at that point would have a 19 to 13, I mean, a, uh, a 12 to 13 lead. Then, okay, then shortly before the end of the third quarter, Johnny Bizel, the fourth, again, Offensive coordinator Christian Hood calling what has been a staple of the offense the past four weeks. He called a patented wide receiver pass. This time, however, unlike the unlike the last time, it, it was it was still a nice game, but it was more so the catch by Todd Griffin, the Oregon transfer, one-handed in the middle of traffic. I'm gonna get I mean just a, a beautiful catch. A, a beautiful catch. I'm talking about, I mean, and Bizel threw it right. I mean, it was a just very, very, very tight window. The ball was in there where it, it looked as if Griffin almost overran it. He put his he put his arm back, wheeled it in there, took a pretty good shot. So to be able to hold on to that on top of making the catch right there was just was just exquisite. So I do want to give him credit for making that grade A grade A catch. But they would end up scoring a touchdown on a 70 play on a 75 yard uh, drive that was helped by a late hit penalty. It's capped off by a two yard Chandler Garrett run. So UCL would take a 19 13 lead into the fourth. Now, at this time, okay, if you were a UCO fan, you, you, you had me feeling optimistic, but at the same time, you also somewhat concerned here because as, as we know against Kearney, as we know against Pitt State, and as we know against Missouri Western, at this season, it, it seems like the close contest, we don't get the bounce, we don't get the roll, and, you know, we just, we just don't have the luck. 
So there was some conscious optimism that they could pull this out. However, Washburn would, would put a huge dagger into that by scoring on a 32-yard touchdown pass uh, on a blown coverage to take a 20-19 lead. Now, this to me here, okay, is where the defense really upped their game because Washburn defensively stiffened here uh, on the UCL offense. Really made it tough for UCL to have any sustained success, I mean, success on offense. But the defense will come up clutch first. Kobe Underwood, and, and again, we keep telling, I keep saying this, I'm getting the Zach Sanchez vibes to play again. He had a passing interference, even though it was questionable early on. He would respond by getting a clutch interception again along the sideline. It has to be at least the man's third or fourth pick this season. Well, at the 6:33 mark, okay. Unfortunately, uh, UCO would, would would be forced to punt the ball. We would trade some more stops. UCO would get a stop late in that game, okay. And then this is what Chandler Garrett executed oh, a, a a beautiful a beautiful drive. UCO would run off the last two minutes and 47 seconds. Uh, it, it, it was a methodical drive. It was great play calling, great, great execution. Now, it did get dicey. It got dicey on the fourth, and I believe it was three. Okay, and Kevin Kevin Garrett does what he does best, which is which is a run and, and ran for the for the first down. But the biggest one, arguably, of Chandler Garrett's UCL career up to this point. We're talking about late, late, late in the game. Okay, we know Corvetto has struggled with long range field goals. He had a 31 yard scramble. Let me tell you, the, the pocket collapsed on him. He stepped up, he took off, he made some guys miss. And then on top of that, okay, when he slid, the Washburn defender uh, hit him late. So we got a penalty on that, made it half a distance. To the to the goal with with uh with 11 seconds left now UCO you could tell that they wanted to try to run it had to play there was miscommunication and they had to burn the final timeout with three seconds left however Alice Quito would come in and too much to the to the relief of UCO fans everywhere would nail the 20 yard field goal okay with three seconds left. We put UCO up 22 to 20. Now, you, at that point, you had to be wary of the kick. Now, again, the kick coverage has been suspect this year. I don't think I'm, I'm, I'm really lying by saying that. Uh, so there was a tad bit of concern there. And Wasburn did, now to their credit, tried their best Miami Hurricane versus Duke. Uh, 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 what's the number four? Impression. Okay, they got to about midfield when they landed over the back, and and somebody I'm not sure who it was at that point in time, because I was so happy that the tackle was indeed made. Laid the wood to the unsuspecting Washburn return guy, and that ended it. And UCO came out with the pick of Kansas with a hard fought 22 to 20 win again. Uh, if you were a UCO fan here, this is huge on many fronts. Uh, one, 
it's a win, okay? And, and we know that they have been a four-game skid, so obviously it's a huge win. Two, it was a road win, okay? And, and, and road wins in the MIAA are never easy. Uh, and then three, okay, it keeps the opportunity for a winning season alive. Now, we mentioned you said we have to win out here. They get to a six and five record. I mentioned that pretty that starting last week, all the games were winnable. I think you saw that against Missouri Western because that should have been a win. There were some missed opportunities there, but they were able to, to, to correct it and they got the win against Wasburn. And they dropped Wasburn under their head coach to six and 73 when trailing at the fourth. And I believe this is the third straight win against Wasburn. So, uh, it, it was a, it was definitely a exciting game for a 22-22 to, to 20 score. It was definitely different after last week's 50 to 43 shootout. So uh, I, I, I was again, I was glad to see that the adjustments were definitely made there defensively. Again, the best performance I have seen of the season, and the numbers will tell you that when we, when we look at the numbers here. UCO 21st down, 189 rushing yards at 5.3 yards per, yard per carry, 154 passing yards, one touchdown, one interception, 343 yards of offense, uh, 71 plays. Um, we'll get here. Uh, they had the ball for 28 minutes, 42 seconds, 7 of 15 on third downs, 1 or 2 on fourth downs. Most importantly, three of three in the red zone, uh, three sacks. So now they have five sacks on the season. Again, I felt we could have had almost five, six sacks. There's just uh, it, uh, uh, Washburn's quarterback, Mitch Shurig, just just is it, a very tough man to bring down, especially if he sees you coming. Now, I will say most of the sacks came when Mitch Shurig was not expecting the pressure to come. And that's how we got the got the, the uh, safety and the back-to-back sacks. They, they both came from size of Shuri. The, the pocket presence from him was not there. Uh, but again, I, again, that that is huge to get three 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 sacks on the uh, on the day. Uh, two or two on PATs, two or two on field goals. Now, when we look at Wasburn, 24 first downs, 132 rushing yards, 3.4 yards per carry, 157 passing yards, one touchdown, one interception, but only 289 yards on 70 plays. That is by far the best defensive performance that we have seen, obviously, since the Lincoln game. But to me, the best performance we've seen all season, and you mentioned before, Wasburn came in. Averaging, you know, I think about 400 yards a game, um, about 35 points per game. They had a solid running game, and you still were able to shut down all phases of Wasburn for most of that game. Again, minus the blown coverage here, they would only have gotten one touchdown. So, I, I, again, I want to give Russ Pickett here a whole lot of credit because that will be needed moving, uh, moving, moving forward. Wasburn did have the ball for 31 minutes and 18 seconds. Which you again would expect from a team that is a run first. They were six of 13 on third downs, uh, three of three in the red zone. They also had three sacks, two of two on PATs, and two of two on midfield goals. So 
Uh, and we're also looking now at the individual numbers here. Chandler Garrett, 30, I mean, 14 of 34. 134, one touchdown, one interception. by before on that wide receiver pass. 101 for 20 yards. Then rushing here, we have Chandler Garrett, 21 yards. With a net of 84, he had 180. We took away the sack yardage. He had 84 for one touchdown. TJ Roberts uh, on only eight carries had 76 yards. Now he did have that 44 yarder, which obviously helped out tremendously, but he still averaged nine and a half yards per carry. Uh, probably a season high, and we have to check the Lincoln stats on that to make sure, but it's either a season high or close to it. And then Sabor Daniels also four carries, 15 yards. Uh, Dustin Boskis on a sweep, one carry, seven yards. And then Todd Griffin, two carries for seven yards. Receiving wise, Dustin Boskis. I will say Dustin Boskis, even though he did have a 26 yard, yard touchdown and finished with eight catches or 66 yards, he did have some drops. He did have about two drops on that. Uh, and um, you never want to see those. Uh, Dante McGee, one catch for 35 yards. Todd Griffin, two catches for 27. Amante Preach Phillips, two catches, 17 yards. Dawson Huddleston, again, a man making the most of his opportunities. A beautiful catch and a tough catch for six yards. Again, it was along the sideline and coverage is a quality catch. Uh, TJ Roberts, one of one catch for three yards, and then Covado, um two or two on field goals, and and uh, the punting here. I have the punting numbers. No, I don't have the punting numbers. Yeah, I do. Jay Tedesco six punts for forty three point eight yards per punt, four inside the twenty, one touchback. One of 50 or more yards in a, a long of 52. Again, Jake Tedesco putting on a punting clinic. Uh, a, again, if we could just get that type of punting pointers from him for the for the rest of the season, I would be much appreciated because again, I don't know what he had to record from him. He had weed, but Jake Tedesco definitely had the game of the season when it comes to punting and that would be needed this week because the opponent I mentioned earlier who I have been saying for the longest period of time is an improved ball club the one Missouri Southern State Tigers now uh, we'll be getting to them here in a second but we'll wrap this up here with the individual stats on defense uh Byron Burns led with eight tackles Adrian Cross seven tackles Dylan Hall, seven tackles. Jeremiah Hill, six tackles. Uh, and then we have here on the TFL, O'Shea Harris. O'Shea only had three tackles, but there was some big time tackles. Daniel Ballman, best game of the season as well, had three pass breakups to lead the team. Uh, Isaiah Major also had a near interception. Uh, it, it was, it was, it, he had me to man, but he just, he just dropped it. He just dropped it. Uh, but he also had, you know, a solid, a solid outing there. Um, Mike Rios had three tackles. 
Uh, now I have four tackles give me one TFL, one sack. Ricky Shield Jones, four tackles, one TFL, one sack. Dylan Buckheit is a guy. Dylan Buckheit is a guy from more true freshman, special team ace at this point in time, and the safety has started getting a lot more reps after that Lincoln game. Is a guy has a bright future. And I mentioned before uh, when we when we when coach discussed him after the Lincoln game. And a signing day that is somebody I have seen a lot of the past three seasons uh, watching more high school play and doing Buckhead was a guy from more that literally did almost everything. I would he played running back, receiver, safety, corner, a quarterback when uh, Daniel Deuce Highsaw was out against Mustang. Uh, just, just a very overall athletic and talented player that has a bright future. Uh, he had four tackles. Uh, and then Kobe Underwood, three tackles, one TFL, and one interception again, the very clutch pick. So, uh, again, an all around fantastic game. Hopefully, there's something that they can build off of as they, as they prepare to take on two and six Missouri Southern. Now, I teased earlier that Missouri Southern is coming off a record setting, setting, uh, setting performance. Now, if you recall last year, or if you are new here, okay, the uh, Northwest, the Northeastern State, and Missouri Southern game last year was the equivalent of the Lincoln Northeastern State game this year, where the loser out of that game was probably going to go winless. They scored that game, uh, that game occurred in Joplin, uh, with an interim head coach who I believe is still on staff, Missouri Southern got a 24-19 win. Now, they would go on to play UCO the week after that, and their commentators really annoyed me uh, when they claimed that if you look at on the on the schedule, or that, or that there's two games every year that you circle as winnable, Northeastern State and UCO, I feel really insulted by that comment uh, because I don't know what they were thinking when they said that, and I'm glad that you still proceeded to then shut them out to prove the point here. Uh, but, but in any case, uh, they did beat North Eastern State State again. Uh, they also had two wins this year compared to, to, to the one they had this time last year as they lost to Lindenwood, who was longer in the conference, but they were able to beat Lincoln. Uh, now, Oh, they did beat Northeastern State, and they beat them more by more, significantly more. Uh, when I take the score, believe me, okay, when I check this score, all right, I, I, I could not believe my eyes. Uh, as a matter of fact, I was speechless, and if you know me, rarely am I speechless. Uh, but the score, Okay, I just, just the score of this game. Okay, or uh, this, 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 not only is the state is trash. Okay, so we're gonna just, again, this is gonna prove though, Missouri Southern is an improved ball club. Remember, they scored 24 on them last year. They allowed 19, they won by five. Okay, this year, they allowed seven. Okay, well, so we had improvements there. But here's the kicker. Okay, I, I, if you're driving, I just encourage you here 
fair warning. This, the number I'm about to throw out you can have the scoreboard read with the points for the Missouri Southern State Lions in Tahlequah. I think it was a Doc Wiley Stadium in Tahlequah. Okay, I'm warning you right now. Might cause sudden shock. So I just, fair warning. Missouri Southern posted a total that is in one ball game. 86 points. 86 points. So uh, when that clock hit zero, it read Missouri Southern 86, Northeastern State 7. That is 79 point win. As a matter of fact here, Okay, so I, I, I had to go on Missouri Southern website here, just see what they recap said. Okay, this was the first, this, 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 this was the league. Okay, this was the league. The Missouri Southern football team tied or broke six single game records. While Charles Rest, who I will uh, talk about here uh, shortly, broke a single season mark as the Lions won at Northeastern State 86 to 7 today inside Doc Wadley Stadium. Okay. Second paragraph reads The Lions, 2 and 6, 2 and 6 in the MIAA, broke the Missouri Southern single game marks for total offense at 743 yards, points 86, margin of victory 79, and first down 42. Okay, well, Jacob Park, who I mentioned again uh, in, in a minute, broke a record with touchdown responsible with eight, five passing and three rushing, and tied a single game touchdown pass record with five. The Lions also broke an MIAA single game first down record with 42, breaking the previous record of 41 held by Southwest Baptist against Truman State in 2007. So again, if we're not just go ahead and read those numbers again here, 743 yards offense, 86 points, 79 point margin of victory, and a conference record 42 for down. Now, uh, if you were wondering here what the box score was like, now it was only a 14 game at the end of the first quarter now. Okay, so you know you were you were a Notre Dame State fan at the end of that first quarter. Hey, you win the you win the ball game. Okay, then it happened. It was 30, 38 to nothing. Then at the end of three, it was 73 to 7. So it, you know, just again here, just, just an improved ball club. Now that starts with an improved head coach. Now, if you are a fan of the Last Chance You uh, series on Netflix, uh, their head coach is someone that is very familiar. That is one Jeff Sim. He was the head coach of Garden City uh, in the past two seasons when they were in Independence. Uh, that was one of their biggest arrivals. He took the job at Missouri Southern, and a lot of the names I'm going to read off to you here uh, or a lot of players that he brought over from Garden City. Now, 
Uh, before we mention some of these players here, to give a brief overview when it's not hard as we do with the offensive side of the ball, uh, Missouri Southern is averaging a very impressive 35.3 points per game this year. Uh, 131 yards per game rushing with 17 touchdowns. Uh, they're averaging 376.6 yards per game passing with 18 touchdowns and 20 interceptions. So, high turnover rate there. But still a very potent passing uh, uh, passing offense. 507.8 yards per game. Uh, and then we're looking here. They are... They, they are 39.8% on third down, 40% on fourth down. Uh, they have nine fumbles to seven loss. They have notched 11 sacks on the, on the season. Uh, they have 32 or 43 in the red zone with 26 of them being touchdowns. Now offensively, they are, they are led by Jacob Park. Now that name sounds familiar to anybody familiar with the Big 12 Conference. That is because Jacob Park, former quarterback at Georgia, went to Juco, was the quarterback in Iowa State that was beat out by um, not Brock Purdy, but Kyle Kemp. If you recall, an OU upset Iowa State, Kyle Kemp was the quarterback. Kyle Kemp beat out Jacob Park, then Jacob Park took a leave of absence, and I had not heard of him until I was checking, checking the rosters before the season started. Uh, of all the teams in the MIAA, and I saw he was sitting there at Missouri Southern, which I found kind of funny because a couple of years ago, uh, they had a former Memphis quarterback, uh, Squigger Tahlequah alumni, Braden Scott, uh, who went to Memphis there, was a really good quarterback at, at Squigger Tahlequah, uh, was a three-star prospect, he ended up playing safety for them. Or not have the career that anybody envisioned. But Jacob Park, uh, the, the uh, senior, 6'4, 225, and before Iowa State and Georgia transfer on this season, 2,906 yards, 18 touchdowns, and 20 interceptions. Now, there are some games where he threw, I know there was one game where he threw five interceptions. I think it was either against Northwest Missouri State. Or Central Missouri, where he threw five picks, uh, but a 363.2 yard yard per game at 53% completion percentage. Also has seven TDs on 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 the ground. Uh, last week, 27 of 39, 408 yards, five touchdowns, six carries for 46 yards and three touchdowns. Jacob Park arguably coming off the best game of his college career. Uh, this is a guy again. We're talking about an elite talent here. Uh, went to Georgia straight out of high school, so it was obviously a highly talented prospect. And then started some games at Iowa State, uh, a, a, a Power Five school there. So Jacob Park is indeed the real deal. This is someone here that while the yardage is not necessarily there, because when we get uh, I mean, because because when we when we get into the opposing numbers, he has been sacked a decent amount this season. And Jacob Park also is not the fastest guy, but at 225, he has a frame there that is hard to bring down. That's why I'm glad that UCO was able to get the three the three three sacks on Saturday 
So hopefully here we have some confidence now coming off of a three straight games now where we have some sacks. And so I'm hoping that we can get some more sacks. Now, he has a trio of receivers, okay? And he has a nice tight end and a running back. Uh, with Thofer. Now, this is an offense that is much improved. Now, actually, their best weapon last year, uh, their running back, Dalton James, who I will talk, talk about here shortly, uh, he's not even really a true factor anymore for them. So that, that just that tells you how much improved they are uh, across the board. Their leading receiver in terms of yardage is, ju is, is Junior. Brian Boyd Jr., 6'2", 171, 35 catches, 594, two touchdowns, and 17 yards per catch, 74.2 yards per game. Only had two catches, though, against Northeastern State, so they managed to shut him down uh, well. And then their other receiver, now, this is a very interesting guy here. Now, I had to do some research uh, on this, this, this guy. Uh, I did see that he was at Garden City, but when I checked on the roster, he was listed as a quarterback. Okay, but he has receiver stats. So I did some, some further research here on wide receivers has quarterback and junior Dwayne Lawson, 6'7. Now, you recall the tight end. Uh, whose name escapes me here when UCO plays in Missouri was also 6'7", and he had a well of a game. Uh, Dwayne Lawson, 6'7", 218. So he started at Virginia Tech as a quarterback. Actually saw some playing time there uh, before going to Garden City. Uh, he was a four-star recruit out of high school with the number seven dual-threat QB in the class of 2015. He played, I think, about four or five games at Virginia Tech, actually, uh, and then transferred to Garden State. He has 24 catches for 465 and three touchdowns on the season, averaging an impressive 19.4 yards per catch and 93 yards per game. Now, he did not have any numbers against Northeastern State, but a guy that's, that's that big and that talented, uh, yeah, you mentioned this before, with the tight end, I, I declare the biggest DB we have is Daniel Bauman. Daniel Bauman coming off the best game of the, of the season. So we will see uh, how they decide to defend Lawson here, whether you keep somebody like Osei over the top. I, I don't know. I'll be left up to um, Russ Pickett here as to how he wants to do that. But... The Wayne Lawson is a guy I definitely would, would be keeping an eye out for on Saturday. And then they have senior Benjamin Phillips, 6'3", 193. So as you can see here, all the receivers out of their trio, the shortest one is 6'2". Okay, so again, I mentioned Kobe Underwood here uh, is about 5'9", 5'10". Uh, Darius Winston about 5'10", Adrian Cross about 5'10", Osage 6'1", Jakari about 5'10", and then the Mitchell Ford, Dana Bauman here about 6'1". So the size difference, again, I'm always curious to see how that plays into it, especially if the receivers know how to utilize their size to their advantage. 
Mark Phillips here, 6'3", 193, a Tennessee Martin transfer. And is a FCS program. Has 31 catches for 461 yards, two touchdowns, 14.9 yards per catch, 57.6 yards per game. Had two catches last week. Now, their last like, really wide receiver uh, option is their tight end, Junior Keandre Bledsoe. Uh, 6'3", 244, so a, a, a really big size guy here. Uh, 28 catches, 322 yards, one touchdown, 16.5 yards per catch, 40.2 yards per game. Had five catches for 55 yards and one touchdown last week. Now, their leading receiver catch-wise is also their leading rusher, that is junior running back Charles West, who followed seventh from Garden City 5'10, 188. I have 108 carries, 553 yards, and five touchdowns on the season. 5.1 yards per carry, so a very healthy right there. Almost two, two carries, of course, to a first down with this, with this guy. Only 69.1 yards for being rushing, but has reason, as I mentioned before, leads in catches for 36 for 296 and two touchdowns. 8.2 yards per catch. 37 yards per game. Last week had 19 carries for buck 38, two touchdowns, and then made six catches for 55 yards. Now, Mr. Dalton James, again, Dalton James last week had like a buck 40 against UCO because they ran it every play because they just could not pass the ball. He only has 37 carries this year. Now, he's 5'11", 214 from Sulphur. So he is a Oklahoma native. Uh, 30, 37 carries, a buck 29, one touchdown, three and a half yards per carry, 16.1 yards per game, had seven carries, 48 yards last week. Now they have another running back, okay, also a Juco, but is a very good return man. That is uh, Josh Mercer, six foot 189 on the season, rushing wise, 30 carries, 119, one touchdown, uh, four yards per carry, 17 yards per game. Now, however, it is the return game here, especially in the kick. 16 returns for 441 yards, a long at 86, one touchdown, and averaging 27.8 yards per game. Now, again, we mentioned before, the kick coverage unit at times has been suspect. They have a lot of things. Two returns to season for touchdowns. That is an area to me of, of, of some concern because the way the offense is going here with the numbers that I read off, we don't want to get Missouri Southern a shorter field. Okay, so we need to have special teams units, especially on the kick, on the kick covers to really be up to their game now. And keep mentioning this fact that the punt team has blocked some kicks. This is the day in which the kick block unit could get some blocks, okay? Now, Missouri Southern's kicking is not impressive. They have Paul Wolf, he's 4-6 on the season, 3-3 uh, three three inside the 20, 1-3 from, from anything outside of that. He also has had two kicks blocked. Yeah, of course, now he has two kicks blocked. And they use another kicker, uh, Riley Hawthorne. He's only two of five this season, including one of three 
from 20 to 29 yards. He's one of two from 30 to 39. He also has two blocks on the season. So if we're looking at both kickers here, the long is 35, the, uh, and they've had four block kicks. This, to me, is an area kick. Now, I know you show has been close a lot of times this season to getting some kick blocks. This, to me, would have to be the game. Okay, that if, we, if we're hoping for a kick block, this has to be the game. This has to be the game. The, the pressure has been there before they have been close, whether it be the inside rush or, or Kobe or somebody coming from the outside. But to me, this is definitely an area here, much like I said against Wasburn, where the kicking game was not the best. This, again, kicking game is worse than Wasburn had, and they've had two kicks blocked. So, uh, so, 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 so to me, this is another area where special teams in this game uh, will be a crucial factor here, both in the coverage and then the block, and then the, 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 um, the kick block unit here. Now, defensively, for Missouri Southern, they are allowing 41.6 points per game, uh, 219 yards per game rushing, five yards of carry, 14 touchdowns, a 200, 235 yards, a uh, 25.8 yards per game passing, 26 touchdowns, seven interceptions, a 455.8 yards per game. They are also allowing, or they also have the seven interceptions on the, uh, on the season. They are allowing a 38.8% third down, a 36.3 on fourth down. They have forced 11 fumbles, have, have covered five. Uh, they, they have allowed 20 sacks. No, yeah, they allowed 20 sacks. Um, and then they are 29 and 34 in the red zone with 23 of them being touchdowns. So if we're looking here, Missouri Southern's defense, obviously not impressive. Now it, it probably stands to reason too. Okay, when you have an offense that clearly is past, uh, is past first. And when you also have thrown 20 interceptions and you have also lost seven fumbles here that is 27 turnovers it is putting you in a bad spot and again as much improved as the frontline talent is here i doubt they have necessary depth okay so if your offense is constantly either putting you in spots where you either have short fields okay or you're just on the field way too much then numbers like that can indeed happen and they played some of the better teams in the conference as well early uh, early on. So when you also factor that into it too, that has to play, play a role. Now, in a lean tackler, a sophomore linebacker, Richard Jordan Jr., 5'11", 220, from, from Wawoka, Oklahoma, so another OK native here, has 80 tackles on the season. Uh, he has to be among the common leaders here, seven TFLs, one sack, one pass breakup, three quarterback hurries. Uh, then they have another another linebacker here, a freshman, Colton Winder, 6'2", 222. He has 60 tackles, two and a half TFLs, one from recovery. 
then their um, then their sack leader here, defensive lineman Junior Lauren Young, 6'2", 235, 29 tackles. Uh, also is lead in TFLs with eight and a half, four sacks, 11 quarterback hurries. Then you have another lineman here, senior Jamie Tago, 6'4", 261, 31 tackles, five and a half TFLs, two sacks, two pass breakups, uh, and leads the team with seven quarterback hurries. Uh, now again, they have a, they, they have another lineman here, so. And they have three quality defensive linemen here because Junior Levi Marley, 6'3", 291, 27 tackles, three, three and a half TFL, two sacks, and one recovery here. So, I mentioned before, Wasburn had a semi-deep rotation. Uh, most of those guys did indeed provide much of the pass run. So, I, I would suspect the same thing would happen here with Lauren Young, Jimmy Togo, and Levi Marlins. So the offensive line uh, was definitely going to have to be up to the task once again. Now, when we look at the secondary here, they have quite a bit of defensive backs here that have made plays. And that again, so this is telling me that the stats, again, water allowing 41 points and, and, and a bunch of yards here, the turnovers, I, I'm suspecting, are playing a, a role in the body numbers seem to be higher than they probably should be. Uh, junior David Rose, six foot one eighty five, Purdue transfer, with a two star to pass of 2015. Uh, 28, 28 tackles, two TFLs. He leads the team with two interceptions and also leads with eight pass breakups. Uh, then you have Junior DB Fontes Davis, six foot one eighty five, West Virginia transfer, thirty two tackles, one interception, seven pass breakups. And you have another DB here, Junior Malachi Bardino, six three two oh six, an Illinois State transfer, forty three tackles, five and a half TFL, one sack, one interception, three pass breakups, one one recovery. Uh, senior DB John Ejizu, E G I Z U. I'm gonna just go with that. 511, 190, 37 tackles, three and a half TFLs, one interception, three pass breakups, one one recovery. I have another DB here, senior Jatis Wright, 59177 preview AM transfer. 35 tackles, one TFL, one interception, one pass breakup, and one recovery. And then finally here, rounding out the very active DB unit, Junior Jalen Alexander, 6'1", 168 from Tulsa. Uh, 15 tackles, one, uh, a half a TFL, one interception, and which he returned for a team high, 55 yards, and two pass breakups, and one quarterback hurry. Uh, and then rounding out here, the, the punting unit of uh, Wolf. Uh, uh, 29 punts for 919 yards at 40 yards a punt, long of 51 touchback, one fair catch, four inside the, inside the 20. Hawthorne, eight punts, 259, 32.4 yards per punt, a long of 45, one inside the 20, with one being blocked. So again, the, the, the kick and punt 
could have a very big impact in this game. And then Jacob Park, the quarterback, he has two punts, uh, 28 and a half yard punt along with 33. But again, to me, the key to this, to a win here, the minute number one here is special team. Okay, because it, 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 if the punt can get another block, if we force field goals and we get some blocks, that right there, you're not only keeping three points off the board, but you, you have an opportunity to get the ball in opportune field position, especially if it is a punt block, and then you have a momentum snatcher right there. And and last thing that you want to do is give a 2-16 in hope, okay? Because when you give a team like that hope, that's when upsets happen. So we need to shut the door quickly there. Uh, offensively here, okay, again, uh, off offensively, I feel like UCO here, we just keep doing what we're doing. Uh, and we can get the run game going outside or running Chandler Garrett 20 some odd times. Okay, that that will help out a lot here, especially with uh, TJ Roberts and Sabre Daniels. Now, I'm not sure if uh, Peyton Scott is healthy yet or not. I did not see him out there uh, Saturday, so I don't know. But if we could establish a ground game there. Uh, would definitely help out in the offensive line we need we need to have the performances that we've had in the second half for all four quarters again against missouri western first half was very rough the second half was spectacular against wasburn the first half was very rough second half while not as good as it was against missouri western it was still better and channel gary still had more time now from the receiving standpoint here Okay, we had some drops. We had two drops by Dustin Boskis, then two drops by uh, Preach here. We're gonna need to hit on those because those really open things up. Because especially if we get the run game going, regardless if it's Chandler Garrett or if, if it is T. Roberts or whoever it is back there, if we have one-on-one -on -one matchups here, if, if defenders are coming up, we have to hit those deep shots. That's what I have liked about the play calling here. Uh, especially against Missouri Western, is we took the deep shots. Now again, you you could say prior to the last couple of games, will we even have the time to execute a deep shot pass? Probably not. But I'm glad that we're able to do that because you can see, especially against Missouri Western, it really put stress on them because they couldn't just stack the box uh, to, to, to try to stop Garrett from from running because. If we had hit, again, a couple of those, they could have been touchdowns. So, again, it is imperative that we do the same again. Christian Kluwer the past couple of, couple of games. Now, you could say one put up 22 points against against Wasburg. Again, we had some drops that cost us about a couple of drives there. Uh, so, again, overall, I was still pleased with the play calling. Uh, again, that the blocking was, it was improved in the second half. Uh, especially from Jacob Blair, I want to give him a huge shout out here because he's had a rough couple of games. The second half, he really did not allow any any, any pressure on Chandler Garrett that I was aware of. So I do want to give him a, a credit here because again, he had a rough stretch. I'm glad to see him have some success there. But again, offensively, yeah, that, that to me is the key. And then defensively here, uh, we definitely want to get a pass rush. Because again, Jacob Jacob Park, 
Volley the D1 transfer. Volley has a great arm and great size. He's throwing 20 interceptions in eight games. Okay, and, and so again, we have Kobe Underwood to come away with some uh, clutch picture. I would like to see some other guys start getting in on an interception party, whether it be O'Shea or Jakari or Daniel Bauman. But again, it will start with a pass rush in the game. You have to be encouraged here coming off a three-sack game and was two of the sacks by defensive lineman that, that came on mount glitches here. So if Mike Rios, if we continue dominating the game there at times that he had, we could get, get, get that more consistently here. Richard Desir Jones continues his play. Uh, we we quarter, quarter Brown Jr. Uh, can build off of what he did against against Missouri Western and then, and then Joseph Rock has been a rock in the run game here. This is a guy here, <clears throat> excuse me, that hasn't had really the best of pass rushing ability, but in, in the run game, especially against, against Wasburg, or uh, really stop some interior runs. So we're gonna need that unit to really come up. Uh, and then in the secondary, again, the size concerns me here, having 6'2", 6'7", 6'3", and 6'3". Okay, on their top four targets here. So that to me uh, is a great concern because again, the size matchup does not favor UCO in it. And then we were looking here also to have the linebacking core. We're gonna have to be better in coverage uh, because of Charles West's ability to catch out, out of the backfield. Now, uh, Isaiah Major, Okay, he's gotten, he's gotten a lot more snaps as of late. This is where I would like to have had Marlon Hughes back. Okay, because Marlon Hughes was a track star at uh, at Enid and was playing some safety in the sprint. That's a guy I feel like here, uh, you definitely would stick on a running back. But since he is currently injured, I don't know if the linebacking core really has that speed to keep up with him. I know we had Dylan Hall was on against Missouri Western when they executed that wheel route for the, for the touchdown there. So I, I don't know now. I do know that against Washburn, Isaiah Major at times was a linebacker uh, taking the running back. So I don't know if, if that was schematic wise or if that's just how that happened to shake out. But regardless, we're going to need a good, a good effort there. So we're going to need a complete effort from the, from the defense here. Uh, but I do think that this is a very winnable game, uh, especially if the defense continues to play the way that they are played against Washburn. Again, if we get the pass rush, uh, they have allowed 20 sacks this year in, in, in eight games as well. Okay, so, they, and they also have some ball securities with nine fumbles doing seven of them. So, this is a game where we can get some turnovers here. Again, we get the pass rush. Uh, really try to make the secondary's job as easy as possible here. To me, it's key. And then offensively, again, if we just continue to do what we're doing here. Uh, we just would like more consistent blocking up front for all four quarters. If we don't have a lapse in concentration when it comes to catching the ball already, the offense can put up some pretty big time numbers this week. I, I really do believe that, uh, especially guys 
which is Preach, Phillips, and Dustin Boston. Now, I do know that the secondary, I read off about like six or seven, seven names here as a very active secondary. So, we're going to need smart play from Chandler Garrett. But again, I feel like we can get the run game going here. We can make life a whole lot easier because I mentioned before, uh, Wasburn, best defensive back, was non-existent. Uh, in, in 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 the game because again, I mean I think he had a free pick on the season. He might have had a one tackle in that uh, in that game because you you can get the get the run game going before them to start doing things that they don't want to do. So again, to me, we get the run game going here, and then we we, we take our shots deep and we execute more on the deep shots than we were able to do on the past couple of games here. I, I think we, that, will, that will go a long way. And finally, for special teams, definitely going to need a strong effort from the kicker, from the, from the kick coverage unit here. Because again, uh, Josh Mercer here, 444 return yards, one touchdown, one at 86, averaging almost 28 yards of return. Definitely not what want to give this, this offense any, any, any short field. Uh, and then, when in, in terms of the blocking units here, opportune time to make some noise again on both punt and some kick blocks here uh, can really assist in the in the momentum and for just some battle. And then finally, here if Jay Tedesco can give it off of a quality performance against Washburn here, pin them back deep again, make them go on long drives. Increase the chances of getting some some stops and turnovers here, uh, or possibly get another safety will also be going a long way. So I'm really looking forward to seeing the outcome of the game. It is a 1 p.m. kickoff for Hall of Fame weekend and Watkins W in Edmonds, Oklahoma. I will be there in the press box. I believe my man James Jackson is supposed to be back in the press box. Uh, and before we wrap it up here. The current MIAA standings, you have Central Missouri at, at number one at eight. No, had a tough comeback win uh, over Pitt State, 36 to, to 28. Uh, Northwest Missouri is number two at seven and one. Fort Hayes, remember Fort Hayes started up 0-2, have won six in a row now, and jumped all the way to third in the conference. So Fort Hayes is a team here that will more than likely be going to, to a bowl, if not possibly have a chance to get an at-large bid in the playoffs. Uh, four, we have Missouri Western at six and two. Five is Kearney at five and three. Again, Kearney is a team that I, I did see them taking some steps forward, but I did not see them taking a, uh, as many steps forward as they have uh, this season. Kearney is a very solid ball club. Uh, Pitch State at six. Now, Pitch State again has lost three in a row now. They, they've kind of taken, taken, taken a tumble there and is really in danger of missing out on a bowl here. Now, you had told me three or four weeks into the in, into the season here, I would have told you Pitch State was looking like, like a possible playoff team. But now, uh, they probably are fighting for their postseason lives here. UCO at, at seven, at three and five, Washburn, eight, at three and five, nine, Emporia, uh, two and six, has lost four straight games themselves. 
I think if you were to look here beside Lucio really Emporia, uh, to, to me is more of a surprise dip dip than Wasper. I know Wasper, uh, they had a, a corner that was drafted by New York Giants. Uh, but it, it, Emporia has been a team that, that, that for a lot of concern has been solid year in and year out. I am surprised uh, to see a dip like that. Now that they end the season at Emporia, that should be a good game. The past two years against Emporia have just been absolute classes. I suspect nothing less because, again, uh, both teams right there want to end the season on a high note for UCO and win there. If we if we win Saturday and then against Northeastern State, we're fighting for a winning season at that point. And Emporia at that point, they're fighting for the seniors to shouldn't have not right. And again, they have momentum heading into next season. So that is a game in a couple of weeks that should be a really good one there in Emporia, Kansas. I mean, 10 you have Missouri Southern at 10 and 6, 11 you have Lincoln at 1 and 7, and finally. Dead last in the conference, coming off a 86-7 loss to Northeastern State at 0-8, I believe. They have the unfortunate task of playing Northwest Missouri State this week, so I uh, could be getting ugly down there in Tahlequah. Uh, but in any case, that's going to do it uh, next week. Hopefully, we'll come back on and recap another win. Uh, it should be an exciting ball game again. 1 p.m. kickoff uh, in in, uh, in 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 Edmond. I'm not entirely sure what the weather is going to be like. I know it's supposed to be wet, most of it's looking cold. Not sure how that would affect anything. However, if the elements are not necessarily primed for passing, that will well for UCO because the UCO the past couple of weeks, especially on the leg, kind of geared running game is the key. And for Missouri Southern here, the one game has not been the strong suit. So I would not be opposed to the elements not being in favor of the of the passing game because as we saw here, the defense is, 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 is up to the to the task here, a slug fest. I would not be, be against that, especially if we're able to control the kind of scrimmage. Now again, I mentioned before, much like Bosper, Missouri Southern has three linemen here that are going to be tough to handle but if we do indeed handle that here again I, I, I would not be opposed to another one heavy grind about uh a slobber knocker of uh of again whatever it takes here to get the win but we will we will, re we will recap that game where uh hopefully we will have a press conference this uh this time with coach uh, the past two times we did not they had some meetings afterwards uh, hopefully this time we'll be able to catch up with him uh hopefully we'll be able to discuss a a, a solid win over missouri southern and we and as always we will we'll go ahead and preview the matchup president's cup that time already the battle for the president's cup you recall last year you see win that game 60 Three, two to nothing uh, in Tahlequah. So we'll go ahead and preview that, that matchup there. Uh, that will probably be a quick preview here. I'm uh, picking at Eastern State stats. Uh, it really will be a quick rundown there. Uh, and no one really of concern to me right now. I mean, they have a decent running game. But, 
outside of outside of that, no one that really uh, to me is a great concern. But I mean, you never know. Rivalry games tend to go by differently. Uh, the game they do have a, a new coach, uh, JJ Eckert, uh, from a, a, again another coach from JUCO there. Uh, so again, we'll, we'll, we'll just we'll just we'll see what happens there. But again, it's for Saturday, 1 p.m. in, in Wallen Stadium. I'm expecting a good one. Hopefully, we see a second straight win on the way to UCL finishing off the season on a four-game winning streak and uh, notching at least a third straight winning season. So that's going to do it. My name is John, Jonathan Goto, a.k.a. J.G. Smooth. Talk to you all later. That's all, folks. Bye. Have a great time. Thank you. Come again.